Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Maybe you want to get a piece of that. Pretty good. I want to talk about sexy teens. I was getting erections. It's a very creepy feeling. I can guarantee that underwear theft will come up again. None of this is relevant. Pokemon, Pokeballs. 750 milliliter bottle of rum. Welcome to the Velocity Podcast. A study in monology. This is your grumpy uncle Peter. He will say words at you. So last week I talked about uh, people relating to Rick from Rick and Morty and the Joker movie, which again, I haven't seen, so I can't really make strong comments on it. And I think I found a way to more concisely express my thought. A couple of people sent messages in, you know, explaining maybe the why and the where and the, the disconnect from the world. And I think what really my problem is, is that Rick and the Joker are both assholes, but they're geniuses. So the redeeming quality is that they are above everyone else in society because they're geniuses. And what we get are people who are assholes. And they say, oh, well, that guy's an asshole and he's a genius. And I'm an asshole or I behave like an asshole. So I must be a genius too. Whereas those two elements do not equate. They are not directly connected to each other. So because you're an asshole and because Rick is an asshole doesn't mean because Rick is a genius, you're a genius. Now, these people, because again, they lack self-confidence, they lack the ability to understand the real world at large, then say, well, the reason I'm so disconnected isn't because I'm socially inept, isn't because I'm a terrible human being, and isn't because I'm basically an asshole, it's because I'm a genius and you morons frustrate me. But the people who have always expressed that always seem to be some of the dumbest people I've met. And this is maybe the Kruger-Dunning effect in, in action, where they don't know they're morons, and so therefore they think they're geniuses. But they're seeing asshole geniuses, and some of their behavior mimics those geniuses who are assholes, and they misunderstand that their asshole behavior then elevates them. So basically, we're going to go back to the, the fundamental fact that I want to present to the world. Don't be an asshole. Quora question, if God is real, how come I can't smell him? And this is a, a very interesting question. And let's take for a moment, let's take this question seriously and say that there is a God. So we're going to give that. The premise is that there is a God. And as Christians believe that God is omnipresent, so he is everywhere at all times. Why can I not smell him? But the actual fact would be that you can smell him. You just smell him all the time, so you no longer process that smell. This is the smell blindness you have to your own body odor, to your house. You know when you go into someone else's house and they're, they're from a, they had a different culture, so they eat different foods and stuff like that. You go to the house and you, it has a smell, and it's very noticeable to you, but then you go back home and you don't smell anything. But your friend comes to your house and they notice that smell as well. The smell isn't the same smell, but it's the same thing. They're going into an environment that is different, and so it smells different. But after you spend time in either of those places, you then stop smelling the smell that is constant around the whole place. Same with hospitals. You go into a hospital, has that hospital smell, but if you spend any amount of time there, you stop smelling it. So this is how our noses work. This is how our sense of smell works. Therefore, it would apply to the same 
to the smell of God. You can and do smell God, but it's from the very instant you are born, therefore you are blind to the smell of God. But this would be interesting because it could lead you to a new thing, to a new sort of superpower, where when you enter a room and you can't smell God, it would be noticeable. So I don't know if the devil is present. Omnipresent is an issue here, because it means even if you'd be in the presence of another God, you should be able to smell that God and not yours. That's the actual issue I was going to try to make into a superpower But now I realize that omni is the issue. Because even if there are other gods, although if you're a Christian, you don't believe that's true. But uh, to be honest, most religions believe that as well. If you were in the presence of a different god, you should actually be able to smell that god. So let's say I go to India and there's no Christian god in India for some reason. But again, if we go back to the omni issue, now, of course, there is god in India. He just doesn't seem to be as active. If god is real, how come I can't smell him? Well, if God is real, you can smell him. You've just smelled him so thoroughly that your brain has shut off that smell. Uh, I hit the religious section in Quora, obviously. So the next couple are all sort of religious based. Quora question, how does it come that people insist cats are real, even if they are not mentioned in the Bible? And this is an interesting thing because Christians take the Bible as fact. Now, it's been pointed out, Noah's Ark, they say two of every animal, but uh, they don't mention like animals from Australia, like kangaroos and, and koalas and things like that. But I've not read the Bible, so I can't say that this question is factually accurate. I do not know if cats are or are not mentioned in the Bible. Perhaps back then, because they didn't have the internet, cat videos weren't as popular. Now, there are a couple other things that are not mentioned in the Bible that have the same sort of issues. A lot of Christians say that fossils, dinosaur bones, were planted in the earth by Satan to test Christians. So if this is true, we can extrapolate that cats were created by Satan to test the faith of Christians. And cats are not actually real. They are just demonic apparitions designed to test you and test your faith. The Bible also does not mention computers or smartphones, which if you are on Quora, posting questions, answering questions, asking questions about the meaning of the universe and life itself, since those are not mentioned in the Bible, they also must not be real. And therefore, you have created a contract with the devil when you have created a contract to use a computer or a cell phone. You are engaging in heresy if you are posting questions on Quora. So what we have learned from this question is that Quora does not exist, computers do not exist, cats do not exist. Because if they do, there are just ways the devil is trying to test you in your faith. So you must deny the existence of the internet, deny, I mean, the cloud's easy, no one knows what that is anyways. You must deny the existence of the computer and smartphone, even if it's in your hand. You must deny the existence of cats and fossils to be a good Christian. So what we know now is that the site you have posted this question on was created by Satan. For the last month and a half, maybe two months, I've been growing a beard. I have quite a glorious beard. I'm actually uh, in suffering from, I don't know if it's an affliction, 
receding hairline. It's not crazy, but you can tell that I do not have the hair I used to have as a young man. Uh, I don't feel the need to overcompensate for that because I'm, that's just the way it is. In order to better care for my beard, so to actually make sure my skin doesn't get dry or anything like that underneath, because that's how it gets itchy and you get beard druff, dandruff from your beard. I've started using beard oil for the first time in my life, which is interesting. It actually, it doesn't make it as soft as I thought it would be, but you can tell there's a difference. It's certainly less itchy for me as the beard holder. Uh, and I assume similar for other people who come into contact with my beard, which fortunately, again, isn't very many people in my life, but you know. Uh, I like to make sure it's the most pleasant experience possible for the user. What I have found out is that it essentially makes your beard waterproof. So what happens now is I'm out at the weird length where I have to decide if I cut the hair on the on my top lip, so like my mustache, or if I let it grow and then comb it to the side. It's one of the more difficult decisions a man has to make in his life. I have been going for cut, but the hair down by the sides of my mouth have gotten long. So I have to decide whether I trim those down or just let them grow and comb them into the bottom part of the beard. Uh, The issue I'm running into now is that they're at an odd middle length. And when I drink a drink, if the water touches the side of my mouth, so I have a very big cup. Uh, I complain a lot about how small the cups are in Japan because I drink a lot of water when I eat food or anything else. I I drink a lot of water. I'm a healthy guy. Stop judging me. The water, if it comes into contact with that hair in the side of my lips, because that is now waterproof, almost pushes it out over the sides of my face. And it runs down the sides of my beard really quickly. And I can't feel it because, again, it's not touching my skin. So I don't really realize it happens. So what's actually happened now a couple times is as I've been drinking water, if I start drinking it too quickly, like maybe I'm really thirsty and I throw the cup back, uh, I don't feel that it's running down the side of my face and it actually is getting on my shirt. And then I start to feel it once it gets enough on my shirt that it actually soaks through and touches my skin down there. So not really a moral issue, not something you need to think about, but one of those interesting points that's come across, that's come along. One of those interesting points has come along in life that I was not expecting. And perhaps you too can learn from my mistake. If you have a beard and you've somehow found a way to make it waterproof, you should be very careful how you drink. So news from last month, of course, not timely, but it doesn't matter. Microsoft experimented with a four-day work week and there was a 40% increase in productivity was what they claimed. Everyone for a couple of days on the internet were repeating this statement. Four-day work week, increase in productivity. Four-day work week, increase in productivity. Um, what they failed to mention, though, and this is sort of the Velocipodcast examination of every news story ever, is what are they not saying? They didn't say whether those results would transfer to other industries. I'm assuming they were talking primarily about computer programmers because it's Microsoft. Other industries would not have the same results with the same experiment. And that's not something they mentioned in any of these articles. What they're trying to say is everyone should have a four-day work week, and that would increase productivity across the world, across all industries. That is the underlying implication of what they're saying. It was successful here, therefore it should be extrapolated and will be successful everywhere. That is not possible. The company I work for, my day job, requires people to be there and available almost every day, seven days a week. 
Now you could say maybe I work four days a week and then I have like a coworker who works, does my same job for three days a week. But the transfer of information from A to B needs to be 100% to be really successful. So if I worked on project A and he worked on project B and we could maybe overlap like a Venn diagram a little bit, because we do different jobs, that would probably work out. But the problem is what I do week to week is a continuing effort. So I think the problem with this study is that the results were good, but they needed to put in the caveat for a specific industry, for a specific type of work, for a specific type of person. Because I would bet Microsoft engineers across the board are the same type of person. That's not to say anything good or bad about them. I'm just saying there has to be a type of person who ends up working at Microsoft successfully and they would prosper in a four-day work week. But other industries just don't work the same way as computer programming. I would like to know how the 40% was come to. Because if they're computer programming, did they program more or were they more efficient? Because that's one of the things that you need to take into account. Maybe the four-day work week is because they're more rested, so they just make less mistakes, so they get more done. That makes sense. There are lots of jobs where that's not applicable. So this is basically the definition of clickbait to me. Because people were coming up to me and saying, did you see the Microsoft study that said a four-day work week would increase productivity? But that also depends on the definition of productivity, which is something else they didn't mention. I work at a company where productivity is not measured the same way as it would be in computer programming because it's not the volume I produce really more than I work in a support system. So if everything works smoothly, then it's being done well. If everyone knows what's going on, then it's being done well. My position is very much like the CIA. If everything goes well, you'll never actually know that I did anything. It's when things go wrong that I have to jump in and actually fix things. So my productivity would be measured in a lower number of problems throughout the year. Now, would that be increased or decreased by me only working four days a week is really difficult to answer. So how you're measuring success and productivity also needs to be explained within the context of this study and do those results transfer to other industries. Because I have a sneaking suspicion that they don't. So after last week, I went off on a bit of a Steven Seagal rant. And now I have about three or four sort of segments planned out. This was about to become a Steven Seagal podcast, if I'm being really honest. But I'm, I'm going to hold back on that. Uh, they need some work. What we need to do is get back to the roots of what Podcast is all about. And that's the Hulk. And that is one of the things I keep revisiting because the Hulk is... He could be one of the best characters ever, but he's misused all the time. So there's a lot of problems with the Hulk. There's a lot of problems thinking about the Hulk. The Hulk gives you a lot to consider. What I was thinking after the movie Endgame uh, is that they've ruined the Hulk forever. Because what is the point of the Hulk? That's the first question you need to ask. And it was kind of my complaint about his behavior in Endgame because the whole point of the Hulk is that he goes apeshit on stuff. And he's a rage machine. And he smashes everything up. The best parts of a lot of the other movies are when the Hulk goes buck wild. Now, at the end of Endgame, they've fused Dr. Banner with the Hulk so that they have a new kind of elevated Hulk who is cerebral and basically not really willing 
or have the desire to use his freak out ability. Because that is the only ability he has, is freaking out on stuff. Going forward, what does this mean, though? Because they've essentially retired Captain America. They've taken Iron Man out of the equation. You can see they're starting to retire the older characters, but the Hulk hasn't had his conclusion. Now, there's a movie, She-Hulk, coming out. But She-Hulk, much like the new incarnation of the Hulk, is intelligent. So she isn't a rage machine, which means we are not going to get an independent Hulk movie where he has to struggle with the Hulk powers, where he has to keep himself under control. He has to resist the desire to lose his temper and smash everything. But more importantly, we're not going to get to see him smash everything ever again. So you can see that if they want to make an independent Hulk film, they have to actually walk back what they did in Endgame unfuse Dr. Banner from the Hulk, which I don't think they can do because they never really explained how they did it in the first place. He just kind of showed up and now he's the Hulk all the time. There was no exploration of that as a topic. There is a secondary issue and that is that we had some Hulk movies and they were all mediocre, but the struggle is to find a place where the Hulk can be the Hulk successfully. The other thing is there's some legal issues going on. Uh, Independent films can't be made because other companies own the rights to the Hulk. So this is like the same thing with Spider-Man. Sony owns Spider-Man and they had that breakup that was in the news a little while ago. Marvel and Sony had a breakup and they weren't going to make any more Iron Man. Uh, they weren't going to make any more Spider-Man movies. But of course, there's so much money on the table, they kind of found a way to make work it through. I had a few friends who were all like, oh my God, they're never going to make a Spider-Man movie, another independent Spider-Man movie or a Spider-Man movie where they're interconnected with the with the Marvel Universe. And I kind of got what they were saying, but in my head I was like, there's too much money to walk away from for both companies. So they were going to find a way to work that out. It was good publicity though. So what we have, the only thing we know going into the future is they will not make a standalone Hulk movie. They will not make a a movie where the Hulk is the main character. Again, because they can't legally. But they've also ruined the character because now he's all boring and not Hulky anymore. He's actually just big finger jokes, which is a really sad end to the Hulk saga. The loss of the loss of podcast. The loss of podcast. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Thank you for listening. If you have questions or comments, you can tweet at VelociPeter or email VelociPodcast at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, or go to velocipeter.com slash podcast. Because a couple of people sent messages in 